0: The Baseball Three Sixty Five Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode one eighteen of the Baseball Three Sixty Five Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some of your time, some time out of your week to spend with us today. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball Three Sixty Five Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes Three Sixty Five. And you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. If you haven't done so yet, you can join our Facebook group, Baseball365. Over there we have 2,700 some odd odd members talking about baseball every day. It's been hopping today as there's been some news that Andrew and I will be talking about here in a bit. And the best way you can support the show is to go to iTunes. If you took a moment and left us a five-star rating, wrote a Little review for us. It's a good way to help us get our names out there, and we would be very appreciative. And as always, all of these plugs can be found in the show notes. On in this episode, I'm going to say that because I always say tonight's, and well, it's daytime today as Andrew and I are having an afternoon recording. So in this episode, Andrew and I are going to look at the early season performances of the speed players who have who had questionable hit tools coming into the season. A lot of these guys go between picks are are, we have a ADP between picks 100 and 300 that I selected. And I wanted to see how many of these guys are performing and how many are disappointing. All right, Andrew, let's get you on. And I've got an opening question for you that was tweeted a couple days ago by Michael Simeone on Twitter. Question. Tell me one player who has hurt you the most this season and one who has helped you the most. Who are your guys?
1: Um, I am going to say hurt me the most. I'm going to copy the one that you had because it's pretty obvious, but uh, Luis Castillo definitely just for where you had to take him and the amount of leagues that I have him in and how bad he's been. It has to be him. I really couldn't even come up with another one. Um, I mean, I probably could, but just the impact of that has really sucked. So definitely him. And then uh, the guy that I would say has probably helped me the most. I'm going to say Whit Merrifield. And yeah. it's just mostly because of the steals so far. I mean, he's already got 11 steals and it's, you know, we're just hitting mid-May. So
0: that's half of obviously what I was projecting.
1: Yeah, it's just huge. I mean, I feel like that was, you know, if his value was going to decline sharply this season, I feel like it was going to be because of a massive drop in steals or a drop in steals. And that doesn't appear to be the case. So got to give him his props there. He was kind of my target in the third round in a lot of leagues, you know, taking pitcher early and wanting to get speed. And I just kind of had my fingers crossed. Like I hope that the speed sticks and it obviously has. So.
0: I loved Witt in the third, and I didn't get him in a single redraft league, and it bums me out. I do have a dynasty share, acquired him this offseason in one, uh, So, yeah, he's definitely been awesome. Uh, I originally put Luis Castillo as the guy that's hurt me, but I decided to change it because I only have one Castillo share in my very first redraft this offseason. So I thought about it, and I'm like, the guy who I drafted more shares of who... Wasn't good, been gone for the last three or four weeks is Steven Strasburg. So I'm changing it to him because I I have more shares of him. I, I was a lot more confident in a rebound going at the beginning of the year. And he's right now rehabbing. I haven't heard anything on the velocity reports, and that will say a lot for me when he gets back. Both of those guys, though, have plenty of time to turn it around. I mean, how panicked are you about Castillo and what he's done so far?
1: A little bit. I mean, God, he pitches at quarters tonight. By the time this podcast is up, it might be even worse. But um, I don't know. Just command's been a little inconsistent. And I don't know. We'll just have to see. I think he'll get out of it. But it's just – it's kind of tough right now. Like, it's hard to sit a guy that you're drafting round two. But I don't know. It's – I feel like we're kind of bordering on that point. I actually did sit him in RM2 this week, but I think he'll probably turn it around. It's just kind of tough right now.
0: Yeah, I think he's a great buy. I mean, I, I've i seen him go through bouts of struggling like this before. I feel like him and Jack Flaherty, I've always felt, are very similar in terms of production-wise. I, Funny enough, I traded Castillo away for Flaherty a couple of years ago just to get the Cardinal because I felt like they are pretty much the same value. And both of them I've seen go through spurts where they look bad and then they can get really hot and be the best pitcher in the league. And it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, you go look at Castillo's fan gra- or Page on Baseball Savant, the fastball velocity there. He is getting squared more. That is, he, he's definitely, they're hitting, getting harder hits on him, but he's never been like this big fastball spin guy. And I don't know. I, I, think, I think he's going to be fine, personally. I'm not too concerned about him. And the guy that's helped me the most is Danny Duffy. I think I've mentioned at the beginning of the season, and I think if we talked about it again a week ago, that I had shares on him in every single draft and hold league. So that's worked out really well. Dumb luck is what I'll call it. But he found some velocity this year, and he's been really good in the early going. Um, Okay. So let's start off talking about the big news this week. And Andrew, it's Jared Kelnick day. He's been called up and is making his MLB debut for the Mariners. That was the rumor on Monday Tuesday. I think Jeff Basson was the first one to put that out there. And sure enough, right like a day or two later, it became no it also was put out there that Logan Gilbert of the Mariners prospect pitcher, he's also debuting today. So we have Two big debuts for the um, Mariners going on today. Um, our buddy Ryan is having, I, you know, we've chatted with him and he's having a, he's his wife is due to have a child any day now. And we were talking about this and hoping it that the child would be born today and I, how great that would be. And Andrew, you brought up something about whenever we were talking about how the a birth basically and a and a memorable call-up so why don't you tell the one you shared
1: oh no yeah i was just saying that my my niece was born on Vlad junior call-up day <laughs> and i i will just always remember that i just remember thing, it yeah i'll just always remember it it was pretty cool
0: yes i love that and i've always been that way to where i more with music, like there are a couple albums in my early 20s. I remember them coming out and like significant things that that happened on those days. And I'm going to I'm going to set myself up for a lot of jokes and criticism for this. But on I, I when my young 20s, 20 years ago, I loved Nickelback and I their album, what most people don't know or remember or care is their first debut like breakout album, I should say. Their breakout album, I think it's called Silver Side Up, came out on 9-11. And I'll always put that together, that on nine eleven, I went and bought the Nickelback Silver Side Up album while everybody else was worrying about what was going on in the world, and rightfully so. I spent the rest of the day watching TV t- and paying attention too, but I also went and bought the Nickelback CD right after the Pentagon was hit. And my, a buddy of mine always jokes with me about that.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny the weird things we remember.
0: Yep, yep. So uh, back to Kelnick. What kind of performance are you hoping for the rest of the way over the last 120 games or so here with him?
1: Well, um, I mean, I hoping for – I mean, obviously you hope that he's just a superstar right away. I mean, it's probably – a little unrealistic, even though that's, I think what a lot of people are quote unquote, hoping for, um, you know, as far as like realistic expectation, I mean, I think that you can kind of see him being like a top hundred or so player. And then, you know, there's upside for more than that, obviously. So yeah, expect him to be pretty good. I mean, he should be able to contribute across the board and be in there every single day, which is really nice. I've got him on, gosh, I think a handful of redraft teams. So it's going to be nice putting him in. I I, I don't know. I haven't set my lineups in all my leagues for the weekend. Um, I won't have him in my lineups tonight. But um, I know one league I put him in for Jason Hayward, and that felt really <laughs> good.
0: <laughs> so One former superstar, upcoming major uh, man i remember i once. mean you're
1: basically you're basically putting him in for your fifth outfielder you know yes. so yeah it's definitely nice
0: you know i was thinking about this and what to expect from him not as not not even as much this year but what kind of player to expect him to be and a thought went through my head i wanted to get your thoughts on this kyle tucker with a slightly better hit tool
1: uh yeah i mean that sounds Sounds about right. I think kind of what um, Austin Meadows did mm-hmm. in his in his big season. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, he, he has the potential to be a first-round type fantasy player. I mean, whether that happens or how quickly he gets there or if he gets there, I mean, that's still up for debate, and obviously we'll kind of see. But um, all the tools are there, and he can hit. So, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. I'm, I'm really, this is like that first moment this season, um, for me anyways, where I'm really like, I got to watch this game tonight. (laughs) Like it's, and I actually, that's part of the reason I wanted to record this during the day. I Mm
0: -hmm. like when
1: I heard that it was like, I got to watch this game tonight. So,
0: yeah, yeah. The game. And Gilbert,
1: Gilbert too. I don't want to dismiss him because he's a really good pitching prospect. I've actually got him in a few, in a few leagues too. So yeah, it's yeah. going to be fun.
0: Yeah, we're going to get to Gilbert in a second. I have a softball game at seven twenty tonight, and I was like, okay, that gets me home before nine p.m. And then someone texted me and asked if I could play for a at an eight twenty game for him, and I agreed to do it. So I'm going to miss the first two or three innings of the, that game, but it it feels like must see TV if you're into fantasy, especially if you're into dynasty. And playing yeah. in Dynasty Leagues. Um, some people say that the uh, the day someone's called up is the time to move them uh, prospect in Dynasty Leagues. And, you know, you're talking about him being a first-round pick eventually, and we were talking in a chat earlier today about where he would go today in a startup Dynasty. And I thought it'd be fun to just play a him-or-him him game and see who you would and wouldn't move him for in a Dynasty League if or who you'd take if you were doing a startup. You wanna play along? Sure. Okay. I'm gonna I mean, these are gonna be some tough names. I'm gonna start off with Manny Machado. In a dynasty league? Yep. Dynasty startup. Jared Kelly. Okay. What about Alex Bregman?
1: Um I haven't really followed Bregman too closely this year. How's he I, been
0: doing? Is, uh, good question. Yeah, I don't, I don't own him anywhere. I know that first week ah. he was really hot and hitting a lot of home runs. Let's see, right now he is sitting at three ten in thirty games played, three ten batting average with five home runs, twenty runs, and nineteen RBI. So he's having a very solid start to this. Yeah,
1: season. yeah, that one's that one's closer for me. Um. I think I would probably take Kellenic. Okay. But I think it's close. Yeah.
0: I mean, if you're saying that one's close right there, I mean, I'm going to move up a couple slots here and see if I can find another one. Your boy, Ozzie Albies. Oh, man. I know. Yeah, <laughs> that's hurt, so. hard.
1: I f- think I would take Albies, but... I figured that was your answer. Yeah. So it's I mean it's he's in there you know like it's and I don't I mean if if somebody wants Machado I know I said Kellinick kind of quick over Machado but if somebody wants Machado it's not like I'm going to scoff at it I'm also not going to scoff if somebody wants Kellinick over a lot of these guys I mean he's really young he's really good he can do it all I mean he there's really no weakness that you see coming in I mean obviously how it translates immediately is up for debate and it's not something that is always seamless but there's nothing that he's done that suggests there'll be struggles either so kind of just have to see how it plays out
0: yeah it's it's always interesting with guys like this this is not or you know, there are people that probably would take him as a first round player in a startup dynasty right now. So, if you had him, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to just see what offers are there. You might be able to get yourself a top 10, top 15 player. Like an Yeah, yeah that's
1: that's that's a lot of the argument too is, you know, sometimes when the warts start to pop up um the that's when the value drops obviously and right now there's like zero warts on Jared Kelnick. Yep. Like right, right now, now in a week, in two weeks, there might be, but right now there are just no warts. It's everybody. And and that's a lot of it. I mean, you know, perception is everything too. in dynasty leagues, especially. So it's not always about like, is he going to be better than this guy or not? It's a lot of its perception. And I just think right now that the perception of Kalanick is that he's you know, can be a top five, ten player, whatever you want to call it. And whether he is that or not, you know, remains to be seen.
0: But you also made a good point. Even if he's a second round caliber player for five years, that makes him a very uh, that makes him a worthy first round pick if he was to actually do that.
1: Right. Yeah. And he could be that he could be that for longer than five years, yes. obviously. So
0: it's it's an interesting conversation, but on the same note he's got a, he can slip further a lot easier than he can move up from where he is right now. That's right. That's the part. Well, about...
1: especially in a, especially in a dynasty league,
0: like in a redraft league
1: where you took him from now forward, it's probably going to pay off. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that has to feel good. And that's where I own him. I don't own him in dynasty. Unfortunately, I'd love to, but, um, but, yeah, I took him basically in, like, rounds 12 to 15 in quite a few leagues. And, yeah, I think from today forward it's going to it's gonna be good.
0: I took over a dynasty team that I felt like I wanted to tear down. I did not like the roster. Too much pitching, not enough hitting for me to feel like, uh, yeah, I could have tried going for it again this year. But I just felt like it because I think that team finished third, second or third last year. I just didn't like the makeup of that team. Not enough good hitters and too many pitchers. So I I tore down and I traded Lucas Giolito. I think the trade was Lucas Giolito for Kelnick and Christian Robinson. I th- I might have thrown a reliever in there, um Hunter Harvey, I think. That could, I'm pretty certain that was the trade and yeah, I'm glad I made it. I mean, it's that's an interesting one to think about, especially Well, I guess Giolito's not been great as of late, but I still love the Love the guy. All right, um, right, let's move on to Gilbert. He's a must-add everywhere, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yes. I think he's pretty much an ad in every league.
0: It, have you looked to see if he's available in your TGFBI league?
1: Uh, he's not because he is on my team.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, that settles that. I was about to ask you if he was out there in, like, a league where you have – transactions like that, how much fab would you be willing to throw out there on a guy like that?
1: Um, I I mean, I think he would go for like, if he was available, I think he'd probably go for
0: 300 or so. Maybe. I don't know. But would you be willing to do that?
1: Possibly. It's possibly. Yeah. It would depend kind of on like the, You know, I look a lot at like the previous bids, kind of what guys go for, what I need, uh, you know, where my strengths and weaknesses are kind of thing. And I'm typically not a guy that goes huge on one player in fab. It's just not really my thing. I tend to nickel and dime it a little more and kind of grind throughout the year. But um, if you're going to blow your fab on, like spend a lot on one guy i think that these big name prospects are kind of the guys to do it on just because you know if if for whatever reason they're you know based on your league rules all, all leagues are different but some leagues you know if they're not drafted you can't pick them up until they come up or whatever i know some N F C leagues are like that so i i think that guys like that are guys you can spend on, I mean, the other, the other types that get the money thrown at them are like the new closers or whatever, but let's be honest, a lot of times those guys just fizzle right out too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, I think it's worth, um, I mean, I definitely would pick up Gilbert in any league that he isn't owned in and you know, it doesn't guarantee he's going to be really good. I mean, I've watched Daniel Lynch today, get throttled Mm -hmm. by the Tigers, So, you know, it's just kind of tough, but, um, yeah, I mean, you just, those guys kind of have to be picked up, and they're going to be aggressively bid on.
0: Do you think, like thinking back? I know you can't remember every transaction, but thinking about the Fab pickups for most leagues the last month, is he the biggest? Like, is he the guy you probably would have spent the most on for people out there? Like, do you Gilbert? Is, yeah. Assuming yeah, Kelnick I mean, is owned, because Kelnick's owned almost everywhere.
1: Yeah, I mean Kelnick would go for probably eight hundred. I mean, yes, I would I, like. Yeah, he's owned everywhere. But, yeah, I would think off the top of my head um, the most of – at least anybody that I would have – or the most that I would have been, have been on somebody. I haven't gone too crazy on anybody this year, so probably, yeah.
0: For the record, I agree with you. I uh, And also similar to you, I have him in the one redraft league where I have adds and drops, and I'm actually really in good shape with pitching too, which is what makes that more fun is – I feel like he's an added bonus, but uh, I want to play a him-or-him game and just kind of with Gilbert and who you'd rather have rest of season, just kind of think about what maybe you're hoping and expecting for here and just throw some pitcher names out here on who you'd rather have rest of season. Um, I'm going to start with uh, Michael Pineda. Gilbert. Is it even close here? Um, I'm trying to think of how far up I need to go from here.
1: Not really. I mean i I would just rather take the shot on Gilbert's upside. Okay. Michael Pineda. Andrew Heaney. Um, that's closer to me. Um, Heaney will get more innings. So will Pineda. I mean, I think that they'll baby Gilbert a little bit but per inning I, I wouldn't be surprised if if Gilbert was better I think that I think that one's close
0: moving up a little more just to see like Frankie Montas and Tyler Maley how would you rank him amongst those three
1: I, I would take I would take those guys ahead of okay. Gilbert like rest of rest of season
0: so you're probably um, but, thinking-
1: but it's yeah that's kind of the range I think yeah so you,
0: yeah, you're thinking 150 to 200 overall is like that when I'm looking at where these pitchers were going before the season and assuming they haven't. I'm trying to pick guys that haven't. moved, I don't think have moved too much. Melee's moved up some, but
1: I mean, there's. I I think that there's a chance that he's awesome. the best of yeah, the best of all those guys. Like yes, pretty easily. But I also think that there's a chance he's the worst of all. You know, the worst of all those guys. There's no guarantee that he's going to come up and. Um, light the league on fire or anything. You just some of it is about like, would I rather take the shot on this unknown for uh-huh. the for the ceiling for the ceiling as opposed to a guy that I kind of know what he is. I mean that's kind of how I think of it in a lot of those situations.
0: Yeah, and I'm with you. I think he's electric and he could go really well, but we have seen plenty plenty of pitchers get called up and come up and get beat around for their first few times as they're trying to figure out how to pitch to major leaguers. Yeah. Corbin Burns. I was just watching him pitch today and, you know, I was really high on him coming up two years ago and he got smacked around, ended up back in the minor leagues a month into the season, two years ago. And it, I was looking at, they were showing a graph showing his pitcher, pitch usage and he was throwing over 50% fast forcing fastballs when he just came up and now he's throwing like 4 to 8% fastballs forcing fastballs and he's throwing cutters and sinkers more to get people out. So, well, he
1: he he walked he walked somebody today so he's yeah.
0: clearly on the decline. It's over. Should have sold high. <laughs> Congratulations on Corbin Burns for getting I think it was 58 strikeouts before getting his first god. Block. That's crazy.
1: I think the record I got an alert. I think the record was 52 or yep. 50, 51
0: or two. So. He, something like that. He broke the record, new record holder. What a year. I mean, that's in yeah. like 34 innings. He's got those 58 strikeouts or wh- wherever he landed at the end of the game. Yeah, if you took Corbin Burns and you decided that you weren't going to worry about the 100 the innings limits, I think you're going to get the strikeouts anyway. So, good job. Well done. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Time to get into the meat and potatoes of this show, which involves the speed guys with bad hit tools, how many of them are flourishing, how many of them are struggling, and there are even a few that aren't even playing regular, regularly anymore, or even demoted at this time. We'll touch on a lot of them with an ADP, like I said, between picks 100 and 300 in drafts. We're going to give a thumbs up, thumbs down, or thumbs in the middle on each guy's performance and tally them up at the end. I'm kind of curious to see how how many land in each category here. Because these are the guys that you draft, and maybe you like them, but a lot of times you almost want to plug your nose when you're taking them just because you need speed, as we talked about so much this offseason. And we're going to start right off on a very high note with an ADP of 114 is Byron Buxton. I'm not sure that the—I think there were some that still questioned the hit tool, but I think he was turning a corner this last year or two. But anyways, we've been waiting for this for over five years now. Buxton has shown glimpses, but it hasn't lasted. Either due to struggles at the plate, like he'd have a real hot stretch. Remember that one year specifically, he had a great August and or August September and then was going in the third, fourth round of the next year and he was in the minors at month end of the season. Or in the last couple of years he's had struggles staying healthy when but he's performed well. Uh, Through Buxton's first 24 games, he's been on fire, 370, 772, 1.180 triple slash with nine home runs and five steals, and he's only played 24 games. He's on the NIL right now with a hip strain. He's going to miss a little time, but despite playing in only two-thirds of the games that most everyday players have played in so far, Buxton still ranks 16th on the Fantrax player rater amongst hitters. So... Let's hope we can see at least 120 games this year and Buxton can really show what he's capable of. Anyways, Andrew, clear thumbs up here, correct?
1: Yep, definitely a thumbs up. Um, You know, everybody that is anti-Byron Buxton is just going to say he always gets hurt. And, you know, that's definitely the argument against him. Uh, The one thing I'll say to that at least is, you know, you're plugging somebody in when he's when he's out so you know even if you're getting like at this rate or the way he's playing and I don't expect him to quite keep up this pace obviously but if you get 100 to 120 games and you fill the other 40 to 60 with a replacement level player it's still going to be a pretty darn good player so that's just what you always have to keep in mind you know the the production he's giving you when he's in there has just been off the charts i mean he's hitting everything hard he's cut his k-rate down a little bit this year and um obviously running and all that stuff so yeah it's kind of all working together it would be so nice if he could just stay healthy for the whole year but seems like that's uh that's kind of the bugaboo so but yeah definitely a thumbs up he's he's been great
0: that was the argument with Judge and stanton this offseason you know you're you may only get 100 120 games cuz they both have a lot of injury concerns but what if you take that along with the replacement player level you're getting some incredible stats and yeah Buxton is an interesting one in terms of I I'm I would be real curious to see some startup dynasties and see where he would go at this point he's 27 so he's not quite the 22 23 year old that it, I still feel like he is but Man, his values has skyrocketed this year.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, okay, so clear thumbs up on Buxton. Just get healthy. Moving on, we got next up on the ADP list is Dylan Moore with an ADP of 120. Uh, he was huge for fantasy owners who grabbed him off the wire last year with eight home runs and 12 steals in 38 games played. So just to slow down and stop there. That means he averaged one home run or steal every two games. Incredible. Um, There were hit tool questions, and Steamer, I remember, had a sub-300 OBP projection on him going into the season. So how's he doing so far? Well, his slash line is 152, 293, 560 with a 267 OBP. He's still giving some power and speed with three home runs and six steals. He's been hot the last few days. When I pulled this up yesterday, he was five for 11 with a double and a home run in the last three games. If you took it uh, more at one twenty, Andrew, are you thumbs more thumbs down or thumbs in the middle here with him?
1: Uh, I th- I would say, I, I think you, you kind of have to be thumbs down right now with him. Um, I'm kind of curious to see how the, uh, the playing time shakes out now that Kellnick's up. Um, He's—I know Moore started the last couple games in left field, and obviously the outfield is—you know—Kellnick's a guy that's just going to be in the lineup every day. So take somebody's going to lose playing time. I know they sent Tremel down, but Tremel hadn't even played the last couple days, I don't
0: believe. No, and they have plenty and of the,
1: outfielders. The nice thing with Moore is he can move around, like he's played at second, and you know obviously outfield so he can move around um could be better days ahead but like it's not one of those things where I feel like he's locked locked into playing time either so just something to keep an eye on I do have him in in a league I think in just one league and I I feel like I grabbed him later I definitely grabbed him later than 120 but um yeah it's just kind of tough right now I I feel like if you don't need speed, you can probably plug somebody else in. But I'm kind of curious to see how the next week or two goes for him with another guy like in the lineup that's going to be there every day because obviously Kalanick's not going anywhere.
0: So Yeah, he's far from a lock to get playing time going forward if he keeps struggling. I mean, I, th- I look at roster resource and I see three people for two positions in that middle infield. I see Dylan Moore, J.P. Crawford, and Sam Haggerty as the three guys. And, I mean, they could they could rotate them all around, but I also think that if one of them gets hot that they're going to play and, and the, the, it's not going to be one of those deals that they have to keep rotating him around or anything. So, yeah, he needs to get, hit, get going.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does.
0: All right, uh, next up is Victor Robles at 139 overall. I captioned this as the cap- him as the captain of the Blue Balls team from Baseball Savant. I mean, um, Robles was a mess last year. Uh, showed up to camp or showed up to second spring training, and it was clear he had put on some pounds. But he lost the weight that he seemed to have gained in the offseason and started the year at the top of the lineup. And we've already discussed that and him already this year, so I won't go long. But his triple slash at this point is 226 with a 269 slug and a 602 um, o- OPS with an OBP at a respectable 333. So he is taking walks, but he still isn't hitting for much velocity here. Zero home runs, two steals, and he's also been caught three times. And Andrew, I remember us talking a couple weeks ago about his sprint speed and. Um, I, I was actually concerned that, wait a minute, is his sprint speed below Vlad Jr.'s? And I did notice when I pulled it up, his updated um, sprint speed on Baseball Savant, that it's in the 78th percentile now, which is still down from his 2019 speed, but it's not in the 40 50th percentile like we were seeing a couple weeks ago. So, Robles, a clear thumbs down here, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I've got him... In one, I know in one uh, draft and hold I have him. I haven't even been playing him the last couple of weeks. I just he hasn't given me any reason to. And my outfielders are pretty good, so or they're you know better than him, I guess I should say. Which <laughs> maybe not be saying much, but I just don't feel like he's given me any reason to play him. I, another one where my outfield is weaker. I I've still been using him, but yeah, it's just been rough. I mean, he's not even giving you the steals. It's one thing if he was, you know, running a lot. And, just isn't really happening for him right now, so I think you can. I, I definitely think you can sit him in leagues. I, I mean, I wouldn't drop him, but um, yeah, it's just been bad, like just bad.
0: Yeah, at this point, Dylan Moore. At least you're getting six. What was it? What did I say? Uh, six steals. Six I think steals? six
1: or yeah, six or seven.
0: Yeah. yeah, you're plugging that in, and you're at least getting the category. You're not getting anything out of Robles right now. It's rough. I yeah.
1: I mean, you're not you're not getting counting stats. It's not hitting. It's just. Yeah, it's been really bad.
0: You know with Buxton, I those guys have been comped together for years, but at least with Buxton, he was hit, he was making some loud contacts whenever he was making contact. There was a lot of swing and miss in his game. Robles, he's not striking out near as much as Buxton did back in the day. He just doesn't hit the ball hard. And I I don't know what to do about this if I was like I what would you be doing in the dynasty league with this guy at this point?
1: Well, it's always, I mean, my answer is always going to be like, it depends on kind of what you have in front of you. You know, like if somebody, if I had Victor Robles, I guess the overwhelming answer is going to be to hold him. Yeah. Like that's what most people are going to say. It's hard to sell low and all that stuff. Um, that said, I mean, if somebody came at me and was like, "Hey, would you move Robles or whatever?" I mean, I would definitely consider it. I, I would at least talk to him about it and see, you know. So, I think, I mean, it it just all depends on what somebody's willing to give you. I'm I'm gonna say that in basically every situation, and it's not an exact answer, but um, for the most part, I think you probably are just gonna want to hold him. I, and, you know, it's not like he can't turn it around or won't ever turn it around. I mean, wouldn't surprise me if he got hot and was running and all of it kind of worked together, but right now it just isn't happening. And like I said, there's really not a whole lot of reason to play him when he's not even stealing bases.
0: It, you know, he's the guy who, if I'm not competing, I would be checking it in on. yes. Yeah, um, I agree with that. To see what – I just traded for Mitch Keller today. He's the pitching version of Victor Robles, actually, now that I think about it. Guy who has pedigree, who is not – you don't want him on your roster if you're competing. And the guy who, who had Mitch Keller is competing right now. So he he and I worked out a deal today. And um, these are just guys that you want to check in on, and it may not work out, but you might be able to get a good price because – if you're in a dynasty league and you are competing, he's wasting a roster spot and that that is tough. That can that can be tough whenever you've only got seven bench slots or however many bench slots and he's filling up one whenever you're trying to do anything you can to compete now. So, I do yeah. recommend checking in, but I also wouldn't be paying the paying a lot by any means. I would be seeing if you can buy him low, but it may be a very bumpy road for a long time. It may he may never reach the the ceiling that so many hoped for. Okay, yeah, it's
1: it's definitely a valid
0: question. Next one is a player that was very trendy at the late part of spring. That would be Andres Jimenez at 160. His value spiked after being traded to Cleveland, but there were still question marks about whether he would get the playing time. There was talk he could even open the season in the minors, but he had a really strong spring. And it looked like at the end of spring, it appeared that he won the starting job for over at shortstop over Ahmad Rosario. And he was going as early as the eighth round, if I recall right, in some late draft champions drafts um, at the end of spring. But anyway, his slash line early on is 171, 303, 522 with a 220 on base percentage, two home runs and four steals. Clear thumbs down here, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, he's he's been really bad, like really bad. Um, that whole offense is obviously struggling. Rough. Yeah, they just one of those. It's gotten to the point with Cleveland where it's one of those matchups. You're like eyes light up when you have a mediocre pitcher facing them. You're like, I got to get them in my lineup.
0: Oh, speaking um, of which, Logan Gilbert's fa- facing them tonight.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, no hitter incoming. <laughs> I think th- they've been hit no no hit twice,
0: right? Yes, year? correct.
1: Yeah. 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 I, Jimenez, I mean, I don't really know. It. It's kind of one of those things that he's so ice cold, but the team's so bad. And I just wonder if they continue to give him a look or if they move on to somebody else. I mean, it's it's uh, it's just been really bad.
0: Everything across the board looks ugly. Not hitting the ball hard, chasing, striking out, not walking. I mean, yeah, it's just bad across the board. It wouldn't surprise me if he ended up losing playing time soon. If if this does not improve, he he was pretty good, big difference maker for people who grabbed him last year for the Mets. Whenever he was playing more, but man, it is not. And he and he was always like a
1: good prospect, but not somebody where he's like proven enough where he's going to get a really long leash, yep. you know, um, or where you would expect him to get that leash. So when you kind of combine that with the struggles he's had, it's I wouldn't be surprised if they went another direction.
0: That's three in a row that's negative. And might I add, I tried picking guys that I thought had questions. I didn't try to cherry pick here. I just went down and looked at everybody and tried picking the ones that um, – I thought had question marks with them.
1: Yeah. This actually might be a good time to say this, but this, I didn't even think of this till right now. These guys that we're going through are the reason why I was targeting speed early in my drafts this year. Like why I, why I wanted wit, why I wanted Trey, um, other guys like Grisham and stuff like you know, just I didn't you know, you get to this point in the draft and these guys, like, yeah, they, they're they fast, but they aren't good hitters, most of them. Most of them, you know, and I mean, aside from Buxton, it's kind of an ugly list actually.
0: So Yep. And guess what? It's gonna get more ugly here. <laughs> because next up is Leody Tavares with an ADP of two eleven. Uh, I got to be careful here. I definitely had a bold prediction on him. That, or, no, I didn't have him in the bold prediction. Chris Winder, but I i was, Chris, oh, let me go back in time. Chris Winder posted in January in Baseball 365 that Leody Tavares was this year's um, Oscar Mercado. I actually forgot that he said it first. You and I were talking before the show. But I definitely took that and adopted it as a call that I completely agreed with. I think I said it when we talked about Liotti whenever we did the outfield preview. And um, yeah, sure enough, he uh, we you know Oscar Mercado struggled early last year after the breakout and ended up in the minors. And now Liotti Tavares uh, lost his starting gig to Adolis Garcia, and he's in the minors. Now he could end up back in the bigs at some point and it could turn it around but anyways he has 50 plate appearances has a triple slash of 0.87 that's batting average 0.87 slug and 247 ops with 0 home runs and 2 steals and like I, like i mentioned adolis garcia he's gone Aristides Aquino on the league i think that was a comp you actually made i, I heard you say the other day and he's taken his job and eventually Leodi ended up back in the minors. So I don't even have to ask you clear thumbs down here, but um, I do want to mention that this is this go. This is the risk you can take whenever you're drafting and you look at a guy who's got a bad hit tool and you think, well, there's nobody else. Somebody can always pop up, especially if you're bad enough and someone else is even just like going on a little bit of a hot streak. You can, even on bad teams, they can give somebody else a look. And I've always, I shouldn't say always, but that that's not been an f- argument I've really liked with bad teams, with some hitters. I mean, it's worked out some. I'm cherry-picking here because Jonathan VR has been awesome for year for quite a few years recently. But I i guess this goes more, I just didn't like Leoti. And meanwhile, I kind of liked VR the last couple of years. Andrew, anything to add on Leote? He's no longer eligible to be my, in the minors in a lot of dynasty leagues. And if that was the case, and you had him, would you hold on to him if no one was interested in buying? Or is he a drop?
1: Yeah, he's he's right on that line, man. I, I, you know, like if I saw him on the waiver wire in my dynasty leagues, fifteen teamers. I don't know if I'd pick him up. I I'm not sure. I I wouldn't be in a hurry. Like it would it's not like I'd be oh yeah, I get to blow some fab on him. I just I wouldn't be that into it. I'm not saying I definitely wouldn't bid on him, but I'd maybe be a little more interested if I was at the bottom of the standings and had no, you know, or had no chance to win the league, whatever you want to call it. But um yeah, I mean you pretty much said it. It's just kind of one of those things he's struggled and just hasn't been good and on top of that Adalas garcia is literally aristides aquino i i think <laughs> i think that is that is like exactly what i think of adales garcia i think he's obviously he's on a rampage and i don't think it's gonna last i think it's it's like the what i thought of the other day when i mentioned that i just um but yeah he's definitely playing over Leodi now so yeah, it's just tough. I 20-team league, I think you would have to have him rostered. I mean, there's just nothing available uh, in those leagues. But, um, yeah, it's just tough. I mean, when you can't minors a guy and he's in the minors, and I didn't even realize he's, he's creeped past that limit, really?
0: For 150, uh, yes. I bet he's not over 350.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I was but quartering. I th- I, was like, I think I most
0: dynasty leagues use 150. He's got 165 pl- at bats in his okay. career. Okay, gotcha. Okay, I'm in a 12 team dynasty where they the the one I took over and decided to start retooling. He actually was dropped in that league, and I didn't even give consideration to picking him up. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. I, it's just like nope. I obviously he could turn it around and all that, but I like the bats I have for upside better. All right, we're going to move on to Jonathan VR here at 223. He's not new to this profile. He's been the captain of the Bad Hit Tool but Extreme Fantasy Upside for years. And this offseason, he was a free agent well into the winter and then eventually was signed by the Mets to be their utility player. He's had a few spurts of playing time every day as J.D. Davis has been on the IL list already twice and currently is on. And as of right now he has 76 plate appearances with a 232 batting average 348 on bait on uh, actually slug and 685 uh, OPS with one home run and two steals So would you say thumbs up down or in the middle on VR?
1: well for where you likely drafted him so far it's been uh, it's been thumbs down. I don't know, like, I still, I still feel like, I, I'm a sucker for VR, man, like, I, I just have seen what he's done in the past, and I, I feel like that him playing is mostly what you need, um, and that's been kind of a thing that's gone back and forth a little bit lately, but, I mean, he's, well, lately meaning, like, the last year or so, but, Um, He's been playing recently. He hasn't been great. Um, Did steal a base, I think it was yesterday. And he's been walking a good bit. So I don't know. It's kind of like in the middle, I guess. I I can't permanently put the thumbs down on VR because I know that when he is getting regular playing time because other guys are out or whatever the reason may be, he can have those bursts of – being really good for fantasy. And it doesn't mean that he's a really good real life player because he isn't. I mean, we kind of all know what he is at this point, but, um, I won't, I won't dismiss him being able to have a few of those really good bursts during the year, during this year.
0: He was dropped in my one breed draft league where we have ads and drops and I picked him up not to play him. He's just sitting on my bench, and I'm hoping to hold on to him and see if one of those bursts can happen. I think he's worth holding on to in redraft leagues. Yeah. And that applies for dynasty leagues, too. I personally would be holding on to him if you can. I haven't put him in anywhere. I've got him in our Rotomasters two league, and even as he's playing every day, I mean, that he's a bench guy for me right now. But if he got real hot, I mean, I could possibly plug him in there. But, yeah, i I think he's a hold right now, but yeah, thumbs down. He's not even when he has played; he hasn't been that great, and he's not getting the steal as many steals as he has. Like I think he sold sixteen bags last year in that sixty-game sample, and that was with him even being on the bench for Toronto quite a bit there in the last couple weeks.
1: He's one of those guys, though, that when he does get hot, man, does he? he I mean, yeah, like with what he the skill set that he brings with the running and stuff like you can play him over a lot of guys when he's hot so yeah and, and the he's a versatile piece you know i think he qualifies at second third and short i mean it's a yep i think he's fine to hold like on your bench in a redraft or dynasty league yeah
0: all right Garrett Hampson's next. Last year, Hampson at one point was starting and leading off for the Rockies, but he ended up losing playing time and going back to the bottom of the order by the end of the season because his strikeout rate was up to 32.6%. This year, he's back to playing every day and hitting near the top of the Rockies lineup again, and his results so far are fantasy-friendly. 244, 395, 703 triple slash. Not great there, but three home runs and seven stolen bases in 133 plate appearances. So would you go thumbs up, down, or in the middle with Hampson?
1: Oh, I would say kind of in the middle. Um, that guy, he drives me nuts. Like, I I, I think it's because I was, I've was i been kind of in on him previously, and yep. he's never really provided it. And now he is, and I'm out. And, uh, I just... I I really, like, I feel like I'm just permanently damaged from Garrett Hampson. (laughs) But, um, I mean, he is playing more than he ever has. And he hasn't been great, but the steals are valuable. So I think he's fine. Like, if you have him, I think you're probably playing him. And as long as he's getting the playing time, he'll have a decent amount of value. I mean, he's got seven stolen bases through. 34 games so what's he, he's pacing for like 30 ish yeah so yeah, that was that's pretty be- good I mean that's that's valuable you know like if even if it's 25 to 30 I mean there's not a lot of guys that are going to do that and I think we can probably agree that he could go on a real run and steal 35 to plus you know 35 40 I don't know I mean it's I think it's in there if the playing time's there and it seems to be there more than it has in previous years. But do I really, really believe in him as a player? I mean, no, not really.
0: Maybe you're just too close to the situation. I, I definitely would give it a thumbs up at this point if I owned him. And the other part that I didn't mention before, in 34 games played, he's also scored 24 runs. So he's been a really good provider of runs. Um, but that – the other the other thing I like is he's cut the strikeout rate back down. I mean, he was in the twenty five, twenty six percent range in his first few runs in the bigs. It was up to thirty two percent last year, but it's back down to twenty two percent. He's not making hard contact. It's a lot of weak contact. But I always want. I mean, that might be also attributed to him bunting quite a bit. But anyways, yeah, I think I'd be pretty happy with what I got so far. Do I? Do I? believe long-term no I think he's more of a backup infielder who's just on a terrible Rockies team in Colorado so all this all the scenarios are right for him but he's gonna I think he's gonna continue playing and be in Colorado half his game so I'd be I'd be I'd be thrilled to have him I don't have a share anywhere had one dynasty share and moved him this offseason and yeah I think I'd be pretty happy if I had him right now for what you paid for him terrible Rockies team is right (laughs) Yep. All right, I'm lumping these last two together. These guys make better contact than most of those other guys above, but they aren't guys who are typically loud contact guys, and I just thought I'd lump them together here with Manuel Margot, who's hitting two thirty with a two seventy-three on base, three home runs, four steals, 13 runs, and 14 RBI on the platoon-happy Tampa Bay Rays. And then Rymel Tapia, who is also on the terrible Rockies, but he's hitting 306 with a 356 on base, with four home runs and four steals. So, what would you grade? How would you grade those two guys?
1: Uh, kind of in the middle. I'd probably be more likely to give, um, Tapia the thumbs up than Margot at this point. But I mean, Tapia was, God, where was he drafted? I mean, it was so late that
0: I want to say around it 300. Yeah, it almost,
1: like, I want to say it might have even been after the, after that.
0: But Give me a second. I'll yeah, just so,
1: just so cheap with these guys. I mean, especially with Tapia that I don't think you can be too disappointed in what they've done. I think they're fine.
0: Whoa, wow. His ADP was 236. Oh, wow. I wow. almost said 200. I was like, no, it was probably closer to 300. Nope.
1: Really? 236. 236. Wow, I, did, I did not realize it was that high.
0: That's why you don't have any shares of him, and neither do I.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: All right. I got our, I don't
1: trust. I, I tell you, I I'm just scarred from the Rockies. Like the last couple of years, I just don't trust them to play anyone besides story and Aaron Well, Aaron previously, you know, I just, how could you, I mean, Blackman. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like there's so many guys that have shuffled in and out of that lineup. And then you think that they should play this guy and they don't. And then just all over the place. I, I I feel like coming into this year that was a lot of it for me with a lot of these guys in Colorado it's like yeah you know you want to see a world where you have a guy that's playing half of his games in cores and it's all great but like who do you really really trust for them to play all the time I mean at least for me coming into this season there wasn't too many guys so
0: so to tally this up I've got your you've, we've got 9 guys we just covered and you gave a thumbs up to two of them you gave a thumbs down to five of them and two of them you put in the middle. And I'm at three, five, and one on my list. So basically, you're talking about a success rate of about... Uh, if you want to call the in the middle guys, I mean, you're four for nine. But if you're not counting those guys, then you're two for seven if you're just counting thumbs up or thumb down guys and leaving the others neutral. Um, does this dive here that we just did after seeing all that change your thoughts at all about drafting the speed guys in this area? I guess you said this kind of just confirms how you felt before, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Quite a bit. I mean, you know, there's always going to be exceptions and there's always times where, you know, you take a guy high, like, you know, maybe if wit had one steal right now, instead of 11, I wouldn't be saying some of the stuff that I've been saying, but I just kind of felt like this year in drafts you wanted to get the pitching and the, and the speed and then like the power, there's just power available all the way down the board. I felt like, um, so kind of avoided a lot of these guys, but I mean, I do have, I do have a few of them, but it's not like I have them on a bunch of teams, you know? I mean, I have, I have Robles on a couple teams. I've got Buxton on a couple teams, Dylan Moore one and the other guys, I think I've got VR on one or two. So, you know, it's, but I've got a lot of teams, so it's kind of just guys that I wasn't really targeting, but maybe it was a spot where it was like, I need speed, whatever, you know, at that point in the draft. But yeah, they definitely carry a lot of risk because let's be honest, if you're getting a, a guy that you expect or you think can steal a lot of bases in the middle of the draft, there's a reason for it, and it's probably because he's not a good hitter.
0: I have six redraft teams, which means 54 chances with these nine guys to have drafted him, and I have five shares. I was just doing the math as you were looking at that, and three of them were Andres Jimenez. Fortunately, one was Buxton, which that went well. And I think I took VR in my first. Actually, I think I have two, so that means I have six shares out of them because I have two VR shares. Got them real late in one draft. Whenever after he signed with the Mets and was slipping. So yeah, I it's just one of those deals. I mean, you're taking a risk when you take these kids or take these speed guys that don't have hit tools, and you think that you need to get that speed. And if they're not even playing well, they it may they can play themselves out of a job or can just be so bad that they're just absolutely bludgeoning the rest of your stats. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break here. I got a couple last questions to ask you, and then we'll get out of here. So we'll be right back. Well Andrew minor league baseball season's underway and I thought I'd ask you uh, we got a, I got a couple listener questions for you also but who's jumped out to you in the early going and did you add any add any prospects last week in FAB?
1: well I think the I think the one of the obvious ones that's jumped out early on is uh, Vidal Bruhan mm, yeah I think he's think, think he's got four home runs already hundred um, percent
0: fly home run to fly ball rate. I saw James Anderson <laughs> say that a couple about two days ago.
1: That's funny. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, have to take some notice there. Um, obviously it's Tampa Bay, so it's tricky. As far as like when he'll be up, how much he'll play, etc. But um Yeah, I mean, I prospects that I added last weekend, I added um Rowanzi Contreras and a 20-teamer. He's there you go. pitching prospect for the Pirates that they got in the tie-on trade. And he's just been awesome his first two starts, 11 strikeouts in both. I don't think he's given up a run yet. So, yeah, just a guy that I, I think needs to be added, mostly in like 15 to 20-team leagues, but... Um, nothing too crazy yet I mean it's still super early There's only been a week of minor league games But it's good to have them back definitely I mean it's a lot Kind of opens up you know How much you have to follow and stuff And that's pretty cool
0: Yeah it's great to be able to look into this And actually see what's going on I mean a lot of these guys have not been seen in two years At this point So there have been some changes made I mean who knows what's real and what's not I've, I grabbed a couple guys this last week in leagues that have had good starts i grabbed up the yankees prospect hitter in one dynasty trevor halver who's hit like six home runs this week yeah i have no idea if it's real or not but i was able to grab him so and in both dynasty leagues i'm competing and i've got weaker farms so i've got more guys i can churn at this point and just play around with osiris johnson was another one that was trendy a couple years ago he had some injuries and he's off to a pretty good start or at least he's been, he did a couple things this last week. Um, the other one I wanted to bring, actually I'll, I'm going to save that for just one sec until go to we got some listener questions and I'm going to ask this question and I'll bring up this player afterwards. Fabian Walker asked who are the next call-ups that are must own besides Kelnick and Wander. This is for redraft leagues. Uh, do you, do you have anybody that, you're trying to grab right now that may be up soon.
1: Well, the one that I thought of the most, and um, I don't have him on any teams, and I need to check if he's even available. Still, I probably missed the boat. But uh, Alec Manoa for the uh, for the Blue Jays. It really, I mean, he's he's looked really good. a Couple starts, I think, and. Um, I remember one of, one of my predictions like before the season was that he would start and win a playoff game this year for the Blue Jays, which was bold at the time, obviously. Wow. And um, But it's like one of those things, if you kind of just connect the dots, it's like the Blue Jays have a pretty good team. It's mostly because of their offense, and they need pitching. And, I mean, I think Alec Manoa could come up and be – one of their three or four best pitchers probably right away. So how it'll translate in the AL East obviously is anybody's guess. I mean, it, it could be tough, but I definitely think he's worth a look. Like if you have a guy that you're wanting to stash or, you know, if you need a, if you're, if your staff, pitching staff needs help or, you know, whatever, just one of those things. I, I definitely, it may be too late now. I know that, there's a couple of leagues where he was grabbed and I need to um, double check a couple of my NFBC leagues. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, he's definitely one that I would be keeping a, keeping a close eye on.
0: I think he might be available in leagues that have a, another fab processing this weekend. I, I bet he was grabbed in a lot of them, but I think there's still a lot of leagues. I'm looking into my, yep. He was grabbed in my auction league this weekend by our buddy, Chris Winder. Um, but yeah, he's, He's definitely the one to grab. I mean, they, they just sent down Nate Pearson after his most recent start, so I think there might be an opening there for him soon. And, I I mean, he's a, dominated in AAA in his first two starts. I do think that it's legit that we see him in the next week or two. Would you take him over Brujan then if you had one slot to stash somebody? Yes. I agree.
1: For, re, for redraft, yeah.
0: Correct, correct. So yeah, I'm in the same boat with you. I would grab Bruhan too. If if you've got if you if Manoa's already taken and Bruhan's out there, I would recommend him also. Those would be my two that I would be looking at. Uh Steve Trapani asked how we'd rank these three first basemen rest of the season. Jared Walsh, who has been absolutely on fire. Dominic Smith and Eric Hosmer. Thought I'd how would you rank those three?
1: Um, I think I would go Walsh, Hosmer,
0: Smith. Yeah, I don't
1: feel. I don't feel strongly about it.
0: I don't feel strongly either with what I'm about to say. I think I'd go Walsh, Smith, Hosmer. Oddly enough, I'm saying that. Wow,
1: wow, what are we? Who am I talking to?
0: (laughs) I know. Well, a negative two launch angle is going to change my opinion on you. Um, I think Hosmer's fine and he's the safest on this list. I think Walsh. I feel pretty safe about too at this point. I'm not. He's out producing what I expect him to do, by, but I think he's a good hitter. But Smith's been really good since the beginning of May, since the calendar's turned over, and I think he's got the higher upside than Hosmer at this point. So I'd take the shot. But if you're talking floor, I definitely would have Hosmer over Smith. <clears throat> and finally, we had a question from Matt C in the group. How come when you have a white car birds poop black and when you have a black car birds poop white? Andrew, you're the car guy. I've ne- I don't real I don't think I've ever noticed this. Is this really true?
1: <laughs> I never even saw this in the notes or it anything. It wasn't so You totally caught me off guard with that. I- <laughs> but um definitely something I have spent zero seconds of my life thinking about. <laughs> But that is um wow, yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I have no idea. You got any thoughts?
0: Well, you're the car guy who's working at lots. Do birds poop black on white on white cars? I've only ever noticed black poop.
1: Yeah, I've I've got a white car and it's it's definitely had black uh bird <laughs> black bird crap on it, so
0: he asked that's, this question after funny. I had sent you the notes, and I'm like, I am definitely asking this. I, I responded, these are the important questions we need.
1: <laughs> I totally missed that. That is hilarious. Uh,
0: yeah. So good stuff. I grew up with a mom who always got white cars, and I swore I would never, ever get a white car in my life. So I, I've always had darker colored cars, so I've never realized that that was a thing because I've only seen white poop on my car. But... <laughs> I learned something new from this, and I thought that's another reason I wanted to ask you is because you work at Carl's, so you would know.
1: Yeah, that's that's too funny. I've had mostly black cars in my life too. This is my first white one, but yeah, it's it's hilarious.
0: Black bird poop. It, it's it's real. Okay, <laughs> I learned something, and hopefully, you guys learned something too before we talked about bird poop. Hopefully, we provided something else for you. <laughs> um. We'll be back soon. I think our next episode we're going to talk about, I've, I've been waiting to do this till we got to the quarter part of the season, but I want to talk about Andrew and I just making a list about players we've changed our minds about the most since the start of the season. We've got a little bit of data now to work with and who maybe we've swung up or down, and I think that's what we're going to talk about next week. Anything else going on this week, Andrew, before we get out of here?
1: No, not really. Just pumped to watch that game tonight. And how are your uh how are your teams doing?
0: Still doing ro- good. I'm holding up in all the redraft leagues, still up near the top and have held on in the dynasty league so far, but again, a lot of season left and I have yeah. you to deal with all season long as you're, you're gonna, <laughs> uh Yeah, I I I this is good we got a race, I think, ahead of us this year in this RM2 league.
1: Yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely kind of looking like that, so it'll be interesting.
0: It's going to be interesting. The problem is I've got a really good Major League team, so do you, but you've got more bullets than I do, so uh, I realize that's going to be hard for me all year long because you've got more pieces to make moves than I do, so I just have to hope the Major League team can hold on. Yeah, but, it's,
1: it's, it's good to have a good Major League team.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yes, so, all right, well, we will be back next, uh, hopefully next week, and we will talk about players we've changed our mind on. And until then, go Kelnick, go Logan Gilbert, and take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 Podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, We would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.